Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? Well, Scott, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs uh, look great yesterday, right? Yep, kind of funny. Nobody was talking about them uh, before the beginning of the season, and if they were, it was pretty, uh, whatever you want to call it, dismissive. So mm. to all of you well, experts out there, uh, they have not gone anywhere. They are still the team we thought they were, dominant and vying for another Super Bowl championship. So we are uh, congrats. who we thought we were. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the late coach Dennis Green, man, yeah. what a personality for the uh, NFL. Well, congrats on a big Week One win. Uh, talk about big wins, big conversations today. It's the supply chain buzz here, where every week we share some of the leading stories across global business. And Greg. Yep. We've got one heck of a guest joining us about 12.25 p.m. Eastern Time, Sebastian Bleaser with Seven Senders. Yep. Really enjoyed he has our— delayed his lunch to be with all of us, so <laughs> really appreciate that. But giving us a perspective on what's going on, right, in Europe, and particularly with Last Mile. So really, uh, really interesting, and they have a, a pretty cool solution. I think we might That's talk right. a little bit about today, too. As Sebastian and the team over at Seven Centers likes to say, first choice in last mile. I like that tagline. Uh, but, folks, get ready. We want to hear from you as well. So me and Greg are going to be uh, chatting all things supply chain with our dear friend Sebastian. And uh, we want to you know, work in your perspective as well. Before we get started, Greg, we should uh, share a couple things uh, with our uh, audience here, folks in the cheap seats or the, the club seats, the club boxes, I think, as you uh, refer to it since we're in football season, yes. right? Um, so first up, uh, tomorrow, better business outcomes with blockchain, digital document provenance, one of Greg's favorite uh, words around here. We're teaming up with Kevin L. Jackson, who hosts Digital Transformers, also our friends at TNS, Dealbox, and NSSX. We're going to be talking some very practical examples of how blockchain is powering big-time uh, outcomes across global business. So join us for that September 13th. That's tomorrow. 12 noon is free to free to join, but you got to register. Now, Greg, blockchain, um, you know, everyone can use more practical examples of how, how that works, huh? Yeah, no question. And provenance is one of the biggest ones, right? Is it what it says it is? Are you who you say you are? And where did you come from? So, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I think that's, if you think about how blockchain started its usage with cryptocurrency. Sorry if anyone's invested in that. But uh, um, the whole point of that is to verify it, the currency's provenance, ownership, and kind of path through commerce. So, Yep. So, folks, join in the conversation uh, tomorrow at 12 noon. Register in the link in the comments. And then also, Greg, uh, on, on a kind of a, a different angle here, you know, we're very proud to be uh, partnering with our friends at Vector Global Logistics and many others. Uh, this this initiative here, leveraging logistics for Ukraine, it's about six seven months in in the um, um, you know, driving humanitarian yep. aid, getting it to folks in Ukraine, 
Poland, and in the region. And Greg, we're, we're working on updated numbers, but thus far over 300,000 pounds of uh, targeted uh, relief aid uh, has made it uh, across to folks in need. That is um, that is quite a noble mission, right? Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's dozens of containers worth of product. And the folks at Vector Logistics, Kuninagel, and uh, some other companies have uh, Hop Hog Lloyd um, have all have all contributed, and and many many just individuals and small companies as well. So, yep. if you think there's something you could do, or heck, if you just like to figure out what they're doing, um, tune in on one of these calls. Right. That's right. This is uh, what Greg's talking about is the monthly planning calls. So uh, it's, the next one takes place tomorrow, September 13th, 11 a.m. Eastern time. You can, nice little warm up before the webinar. But folks, you don't have to give anything. If, you wanna, if you're want to. If you not in a position to do that and you want to tune in and, and join to offer up your expertise, your market right. intel, or just to sit back and kind of uh, piece things together, uh, that's perfectly fine. But this is um, uh, an outstanding and very needed, much needed mission that we're happy to support here. So check that out uh, tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern time. All right. So, Greg, yes. uh, again, we've got a big, big guest at about 1225 and Sebastian Bleaser with Seven Senders. We're going to be bringing them in in about 20 minutes. We're going to say hello to a few folks. I see Big Show, big show Bob Bova giving you a hard time about, man, you win one game, Greg. Well, the good news is, Bob, you're going to get to see us win another one before next weekend. So we play the That's Chargers right. on Thursday. Hope you're not a Chargers fan. <laughs> um, one more uh, personal point, and then we're going to get into one of our favorite topics. Um, I got to give a shout out, Greg, to my cousin, uh, Coach Reggie Shaw. Uh, he won his 100th game over the weekend as a high school football coach. Wow. Where he, yeah, 100, 100 wins. That's big time. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and he leads uh, a, a powerhouse in South Carolina called Burns High School up in the upstate. So uh, we'll have to get in the game at some point soon, Greg. But, hey, Reggie, Coach Shaw, heck of a job, and, and uh shout-out from the whole team here. What town in the upstate, Scott? Oh, or, goodness. Or is it a rural school? Um, I want to say Dorman, but I could be, could be wrong. I want to say the town of Dorman, South Carolina, but – um, but anyway, Burns is known, heck, even I, who am not a uh, high school football expert, but even when I was matriculating through South Aiken High School, we knew, we knew about Burns because of just uh, how long, how great of a track record they've had. And of course, you got a Hall of Fame coach to be, and Coach Shaw, that's quite a, uh, quite a combination, Yeah, that's right? impressive. Okay. So speaking of folks we want to recognize... Uh, let, let's say hello to a few folks. Then we're going to talk about National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, Greg, which is a, a one week's never enough. But right. We're going to talk a little about that. Um, let's see here. Jonathan tuned back in with us via Louisiana. Welcome Great back. to see you, Jonathan. Greg, one, one of our faves here, right? Yeah. Shelly from Colorado. Uh, let's see. Always. I mean, always with some insight. So no pressure, Shelly, but <laughs> expect to hear it today. No pressure at all. Uh, and hey, uh, our our Cracker Jack research team has corrected me. It is in Duncan, South Carolina. Burns Duncan. High School is in Duncan. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, Shelly, welcome, welcome, welcome. Of course, Catherine, Amanda, Chantel, Clay, you name it, the whole production team uh, helping to make today's show happen. Catherine says, happy Monday and happy Buzz Day. It's kind of catching on, Greg. Yeah, we need a T-shirt, don't we? <laughs> right? <laughs> we do. Get your buzz we on. We do. 
Uh, hey, Scott. <laughs> Scott, great to have you back via LinkedIn. Hope this finds you well. Let us know where you're tuned in from. We got T-squared. Bring on purposefully spelled the nourishment. Um, Bring okay. on. Okay. Oh, gotcha. Kind of like a double syllable there. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. He wants to. He wants to um, embody the Southern spirit, right? Bring on. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so, hey, always love when T squared's with us. He holds down the fort uh, for us at YouTube. Uh, Big Show Bob Bova saying Chargers thirty five, Chiefs twenty eight. So, you want to make a little friendly wager here, Greg? Nah, I'm no. going to be too busy watching the game. <laughs> All right. But it so won't Bob, be we'll that. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> we'll check back in with you there. They couldn't score hey, Glor- 35 against the Raiders. So. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, all right. We'll save that. So, Bob, keep it coming. Hey, Glormar, great to have you here. Um, I really enjoyed your one of your responses to one of Greg's supply chain commentaries last week. You were talking about your background in uh, production before you, you transitioned over to supply chain. Right. Greg. Right, how she uh, kind of disliked, and I can I can imagine that the the safety people, right, in in food production, but then switched, you know, went to the dark side, and then realized how important that role is, right? So keep sharing food That's safety, cool. big risk in the supply chain, right? And uh, I think it's good that uh, people like Glormar have have seen that side and can preach the gospel to the people on the food production side, why it is so important. Right. Yep. If 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 they don't think it's important, just um, say formula. That's all you got (laughs) to (laughs) say. Well, you know, as much as I love you leading with your commentary, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right on LinkedIn. So folks, you got to connect with or follow Greg, get that. I really love the all the responses you get. And folks are sharing their their uh, their views on what you've shared. It's a yeah, incredible had, discussion. Uh, was it last week? Week before last, we had like thirty five thousand people view one of those commentaries. Uh, it was about retailers and what's kind of coming in the economy. So I think it hit maybe a very timely button. Um, but a lot of people had had views and insights on that. Agreed. Agreed. So y'all check that out. Um, okay, we're going to hit a couple of these really quick, and then we're going to move into uh, a big week here. Uh, so, hey, I know we can't hit everybody, but thank you all for being here. Uh, James Jones from Annapolis, great to have you back. Dr. Julia, great to see you here. She's multitasking. Uh, so, hey, we get that. Chad Mullen is also a big Chiefs fan, uh, also a big Kansas fan. I guess Kansas K- best start in many you years. won a football game? Holy mackerel. I have to look at that. We'll have to check that out. Congratulations. Yeah. GP, old uh, Gene Pledger's back with us. Great to see you here. Bama. Hey, yeah. Uh, Gene is a Bama with, fan. Just yes. barely escaped with their lives. Yeah. Just right. But hey, a win. I'll take a, as, as a Clemson fan, I will take an ugly win. It's better than a, a big upset loss, right? Uh, but great to see you here, Gene. And they don't, they don't put a review next to it, just a W. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's, it's, I'll steal that from you. Uh, Jonathan says, how'd y'all like that Saints block? Who dat? All right, oh, so Jonathan. That's hey, cold. It hurt us in the heart. Uh, at least, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a bandwagon Falcons fan, but that was an ugly fourth quarter for sure. Um, okay, so welcome, everybody. We've got a great conversation teed up and want to hear from you. Uh, but I want to shift gears, uh, Greg, because today, or this week, rather, 
uh, National Truck Driver Appreciation Week, right? Yeah. And it's never, you know, one week's never enough, but it's at least it's great that it's on the calendar each year. And in fact, it's on the calendar already for the next several years. So you can head over to um, many resources, including trucking.com, if you want to go ahead and add it to yours. It runs this year of September 11th through the 17th. Uh, now, we owe quite a bit, Greg, to the 3.6 million men and women that make up the trucking community. Just And that, that figure is just here in the States. Um, and, you know, we got we got to find new ways of thanking all the truckers. You know the um, uh, global ba- the the backbone of global supply chain for sure, right? I think it's upwards of seventy percent of off rate um, is uh, conveyed at some point with trucks. So I mean, imagine imagine if that uh, big old cog stopped turning. So hey, if you're listening to us driving the truck right now, or if you're in the comments or whatever. You know, maybe you're checking out the replay. Know that we are very grateful for what you do. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the easiest way to thank them is to get a 10-car lead on them before you pull back into their lane when you pass them. <laughs> That's probably, I think they'd really appreciate something that basic. Also, they love it when you do this. I mean, <laughs> they do. And I'm like a 12-year-old kid, man, every time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, be, be and, and uh, my kids are going to be uh, taught the right way, right? So I uh, can't wait to hear the air horns in, over the next few days. But, you know, Greg, one of the things that I love that we did, you know, we've interviewed uh, uh, probably four or five truck drivers over the last year, right? right. That's a very interesting and valuable perspective uh, to share with our uh, global uh, family. Um, today, we released one of our favorite interviews. If you remember April Coolidge, who uh, drove an award-winning professional truck driver that drove for Walmart. You remember yeah, that, that interview? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Family affair we, that, right? Her dad was a driver. Yes, and inspired her. In fact, uh, Greg, as I was giving that a listen yesterday as we were getting ready to to, to drop, um, we uh, she went to her dad and said, hey, I, I want to do, you know, she was in real estate, and she was like, I want to do what, what you do. I want to drive a truck. And at first, he was like, no, you're not serious. <laughs> But she was like, Dad, I'm dead serious, yeah. right? And fast forward, I think she started driving in 2011, I think is that time frame. And now she's been recognized by Walmart and PepsiCo and, and some other groups mm-hmm. as quite the ambassador for the truck driving community, which is and, – and she – Greg, do you remember just um, beyond all of her expertise, her personality? Yep. It's just – it kind of pulls you in, right? Yeah, I mean, she has a really uh, – a really philosophical perspective on driving and and what to do and i think she's a great ambassador for the for the industry right because agreed um she came to it with a totally different business perspective but also with the knowledge of kind of what her dad did and endured and you know um struggled through and, and all those kinds of things. So I think, she, and, and she's a, a hell of a driver. I mean, she's won some actual driving awards as well, right? Like yep. all that trick driving they do, which I love to watch. The rodeos. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love watching that. It is really and truly impressive to watch these really, really good drivers. Uh, well, hey, craft. find a way folks this week, every week, but find a way this week in particular to uh, show your appreciation for all the all that they do for global business. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Greg. Um, okay. So on. I, I wish I wish this next story uh, was as lighthearted 
as what we were just chatting about. So, Greg, I'm going to tee this up, and then I'd love to get your take here. Yep. Um, so, from roads to rails, right, there's a big potential strike coming up by the end of the week if the railroads uh, companies and all the industry unions cannot agree to a new labor deal. So, as of this past weekend, five of the railroad industry's union groups have struck a deal, uh, which reportedly includes a 24% pay raise over five years, along with back pay, Right. But the other unions, which haven't signed a new agreement yet, which these other unions represent the biggest bulk of the sector's workforce. Right, about 115,000 drivers, right? Something like that. That's right. That's right. They're saying that potential new deals, right, that, that some have already agreed to, do not address quality of life measures involving workload and limited time off. Those unions can go on strike as early as September 16th, which is Friday, right? Now, many in industry, including our friend John Gold with the National Retail Federation, well, they're calling for Congress to intervene to avoid any lengthy uh, disruption. One last note, Greg, and I'll get your take. Yeah. I've reached out uh, a couple friends uh, in my um, – actually, one of them from elementary school uh, is a uh, uh, a railroad engineer. And I uh, spent many years doing that. You know what's funny? He loved trains as a kid. And now he's he's doing what he's he's all he's wanted to do his, his entire life. So I kind of put a line in with him to kind of speak to maybe some of the um, concerns yeah. that the labor side has. So we'll see uh, if if that person gets back. But Greg, uh, your thoughts on this story? Yeah, uh, I think way back to my uncle Billy, who uh, when he got back from Vietnam went to work for what was then just called Santa Fe, but is now Burlington Northern Santa Fe, a Berkshire Hathaway company, and. <laughs> <laughs> not an advert, just a <laughs> notification, right? Um, but um, and he worked for many, many years without a contract. He was a conductor, so back when they still had cabooses, you had people who who manned the manned the caboose, and they were the conductor, and they you know took cover everything pretty much behind the engine. So, um, so it's been a long haul, let us say, uh, of decades and decades of either contract issues or lack of a contract with a lot of these companies. And um, and I can tell you, I mean, I can tell you from experience because my aunt lived very close to us that, I mean, it's, it's not an easy job. I mean, you're getting a call at two o'clock in the morning and you you're, you got to be on the train, literally on the train in an hour. So... Um, and there's, you know, there's a number of things. I mean, the thing we have to think about is the volume of, of freight that this could impact 476,000 trucks right. a day is what it would take to haul the same amount of freight to the wow. destinations that uh, are hauled each day by the railroads. So, and we know <laughs> as part of our last article, we have an incredible shortage of truck drivers, right? Um, and we also know it's hard to find places to park or, or stop and rest as a truck driver, which is an, a necessity um, because of the, the work hour mandates. Right. So where would we put an additional 476,000 trucks, even if we could find someone to drive them? So it's a serious issue. It, you know, a lot of this is, is longstanding issues between not just the unions, but I mean, the workers and, um, and the railroads. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I know it's John's job. I don't know if government intervention is the right answer because back in the nineties, they did intervene and forced the railroads and the unions into binding arbitration 
um, which should preclude any need for Congress specifically to act is just force them into binding arbitration. And then um, that, that, you know, that solves the problem. The railroads are provisioning for high value and high stakes, high, you know, security type items to be shipped otherwise. But again, you know, the volume just isn't there. So it's tough. And I think, Scott, I can't help but think that we're not far from, I mean, this is a vehicle. These are vehicles that travel right. on rails at a prescribed speed from one prescribed place to another. I can't help but feel like we may be also uh, accelerating change in the industry towards automation, which mm. is a necessity in this and the trucking industry anyway, but that may ex it may accelerate it if the cost basis of labor goes up so substantially. They've already eliminated the caboose, largely eliminated conductors, um, mm. and and you know it's not like except for excessive speed a, a train can veer off course. So um, I, you know I wonder if the unions may not be overplaying their hand now. That it still could be decade, a decade right. or decades away that that um, that that occurs, but but it's still something to think about. Excellent, yeah, I love your commentary there uh, and your analysis. I guess there are some similarities in terms of how it's a bit of a unique class of of uh, of workers, like air traffic controllers, right? right? Exactly. Uh, back eighties, where you know a lot of folks know about that story. So we'll see how it plays out. Right. Um, but Friday is the date. Friday's the earliest date because it is a unique class. They cannot go on strike earlier than Friday. And there's a there's a backstory there, which I'll save for another time. But uh, great, great commentary. And, you know, that that automation, that is an interesting thought as it applies to railroads. Well, we have to consider it. Everyone is considering it as as labor rates go up. I mean, someday right. your your McDonald's hamburger may be made by a robot. Kind of mm. tastes like it already. But <laughs> I know you love the fries, Scott. <laughs> the fries. Robots the fries. will never take over making the That's fries. That's right. But it's interesting. Uh, there are a couple of bots that I'm not sure if McDonald's is the franchise that's been experimenting. Uh, but there are some bots yeah. in some fast food restaurant that they've been experimenting with making French fries. Also saw something recently. Uh, um, I guess it was on YouTube maybe. But there is a pizza chain that's growing that is all robotic. Uh, how about that? Uh, some folks will be rolling in their graves, Greg. I don't know. How do you get a robot to? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know. Probably but not hey. as entertaining as when somebody throws the dough up in the air, right? <laughs> right. Uh, there's a, as actually, long as I read an article, it was maybe a year or more ago, about an Indian restaurant that is using robots to serve really? the tables. They are your wait, waiter, server. Wow. What, did, what would they serve? Well, to your point, Everyone's got to consider it, right? Uh, all the turmoil across across the labor market and in so many different uh, uh, aspects and avenues uh, of the labor market. So, um, okay. So I, I want to share a couple of quick comments, and then we're going to roll right into uh, Sebastian Bleaser with Seven Cinders. So y'all uh, stick around with us. Uh, Gene is owning up of how ugly of a win that was, the Bama uh, win versus uh, uh, Texas. It was a great game to watch, though, Greg. It was a great game to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. I can't believe I'm going to say this. And Gene, I love you like a brother. <laughs> um, I was brought up hating Texas because mm. most people from Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska hate Texas. Um, and, but I, um, 
I was actually pulling for Texas because that's such a huge benefit for Georgia, okay. of course. Right? Ah, the Bulldogs. So it was a very painful game to watch. It was a painful game in that it was sloppy on both sides, frankly. Right. Um, but they both kind of came together, uh, you know, they kind of pulled it together at the end, and each one towards the end did great, great work. Alabama is just stacked as always they are that yeah they are just unstoppable aren't they i mean always um hey folks check out we also dropped a link uh, where you can find again this is the american trucking association it's one of the uh, you know the preeminent groups uh, that represent the industry check that out you can find resources and hit facts and figures including some best practices of how you can show your love for truckers and glormore says hey Goodness, I had no idea it was Truck Drivers Appreciation Week. Sad to say, but this is another group of very important people that are not appreciated enough. Amen. They probably don't even know that this is their week. My husband hasn't even mentioned it. No way. Man. So we got some work to do. Yeah. Uh, Gormar, appreciate <laughs> you sharing. That, yeah, boy, think about that. That's like uh, missing Independence Day because you forgot <laughs> your rights. <laughs> Uh, so we, we, we uh, gotta really press this up seriously. We do. We absolutely do. Jonathan says Greg is a very smart man, and Shelley goes, "Hey, I agree with you, Jonathan." So Greg getting some love from folks in the clubs. Okay, so with no further ado, Greg, I'm look really looking forward to our uh, our guest that's going to join us here today. Yep. We really enjoyed the uh, pre-show conversation, so I want to welcome in Sebastian Bleaser, Vice President, Supply Chain Excellence with seven senders. Hey, hey, Sebastian, how you doing? Hey, good morning, Scott. Good morning, Greg. Very well. How are you folks doing? We are doing wonderful. Yeah, great. It's evening where you are, isn't it? Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> so I just wanted folks, to give you keeping... the that all of the days ahead of you. So. <laughs> days Sebastian... and decades in some cases. Um, uh, fair We're keeping yeah. Sebastian from dinner, so we better make good use of his time, folks. So if you've got something you want to ask him. <laughs> We're going to be very shit. efficient, aren't we, Greg? Yes. Very efficient. But we've also come to really appreciate Sebastian's sense of humor, which it, uh, showcased itself in the pre-show. But hey, all that aside, um, Sebastian, what intrigues us, uh, since you shared it with us a couple weeks ago, uh, given all the great work you do uh, in your executive role with Seven Senders, which we're going to touch on in just a second, man, you double down on weekends. Tell us about what you love to do in your off time, I'll call it. Sure thing, love to. Um, I'm a paramedic. I'm a professional paramedic. Um, I started working there well, ahead of business school, um, and I kept doing it because there is pretty much the, the best contrast to what I'm doing every day. It's not like I don't like my job. I generally do, but um, like driving shifts on the ambulance is so much different. You, it's, you get to interact with so many different people. It's super rewarding, and it puts you in situations where you typically would never find yourself in, in the, let's say, controlled lives we are having. So I really appreciate that. It ensures to stay grounded, and it's so rewarding to interact with these people. Man, first responder, Greg. What, yeah, what's right? your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'm I'm curious. Is it something you do? Uh, I mean, on call. Is it an on call kind of thing, or do you do it on a schedule, or how how do you fit it in? I just can't even imagine. Yeah, it's a it's a tight schedule, and my my kids are kind of torn between thinking I'm a hero and complaining about being being away <laughs> too often. Um, but it's on duty. Uh, it's scheduled, so I spend my day or my night on one of the stations, and whenever a call comes in. We, we jump on the van, hit the lights, and off we go. 
Wow, that's Man. outstanding. Yeah, that's a great service to the community. As you said, it's got to be incredibly rewarding. Um, and I think really an interesting contrast from what can be um, sort of ethereal or theoretical in supply chain, even though we face real struggles, right? They're out there, right? We're not on top of them um, or rolling up to them with lights on. So right. sometimes it feels like it, but yeah. I bet you can put that in stark relief by actually being out there doing that. Well, I'm just going to share along those lines, uh, Greg. Shelly is like, man, that's quite a juxtaposition, Sebastian. It really is. Uh, and if I knew what juxtaposition was, I'd contrast. <laughs> I could, <laughs> I'm kidding. So, but Shelly, I agree with you. Uh, and really, I do um, I admire, I tell you, yeah. uh, the giving doesn't stop at 5 p.m. You know, your, your time, I mean, to serve your community like that. Uh, which there's a great need for first responders everywhere. Uh, we can really, really appreciate that. So, Sebastian, thanks for sharing with us. I'm glad Thank we had you. asked that question, Greg, in the pre-show to find out about it. But yeah, uh, no I kidding. Appreciate you sharing. All right, but we got to get to work. We got to talk about. There's so much going on in global supply chain, especially this time of year. And I want to share our first story, Sebastian. We're going to be talking with you about. It's all about peak season, right? Peak season. Uh, I want to start with some of these projections from Logistics Management Magazine here. Sebastian, tell us more about what you saw here and then give us your take uh, about Peak. Michelle, thanks. So Logistics Management has been conducting a survey, um, working with more than 100 logistics service providers from first mile to last mile, um, basically trying to understand uh, what people are expecting from Peak 2022 to understand what it's going to be like. Uh, the outcome is kind of... Um, undecided whether it's going to be significantly different from the peak that we've seen last year in terms of volume um, and overall workload. Uh, what is um, evident within all the feedback that they collected, though, is that there is a high level of uncertainty for uh, around what peaks going to be like and especially uh, customer behavior. And last not least, um, how to handle your entire supply chain. And particularly among the things that were mentioned, it is evident that people are concerned about their inbound supply chains. Um, you folks been mentioned um, mentioning the railroad transportation, and just like that, the the sea freight business is in big trouble. Uh, we are seeing congestions all across um, the freight routes, and. The, the main problem here is that China has been speeding up their export rapidly, while the rest of the world was apparently unable to um, digest all the volume that they are producing. What we're seeing is we are short of cargo vessel capacity. We are lacking ocean containers. They are basically anywhere, but not in the place where we need them. Of course. And the same applies for the trucks. And um, I just came across some, some figures um, the other day that basically says 90% of all of our goods are transported on the vessel at some point of time. Um, and that's massive. And then if you um, look at the current situation, we were seeing more than 14% of the current ships, the ships currently in transit are being delayed. And that's going to have a significant knock-on effect on our economy. We're well ahead of peak. Uh, so the advice that they are giving is um, bringing in early your peak is actually already too late. Um, right. If you decide on pulling in your inbound volume today, you're pretty much lost. At the same time, your warehouses are probably almost half full, if not more, because you're still busy selling the stuff from last peak um, that came in late. So that leads to a very unique situation uh, where we 
realized too late that we're in a difficult situation, then it's like deciding between a rock and a hard place. Uh, ultimately, you always need to take a risk uh, one way or the other. Um, and just trying to increase your, your shop floor size to uh, take in more volume isn't working either. I'm not sure about you folks, but at least around here, warehouse capacity is as short as um, truck drivers or any other uh, resource you might be seeking. Mm. Okay. Sebastian, yeah, that was quite uh, a snippet, a lot of stuff we can dive into. Yeah. Greg, I'm going to get your, your take in just a second. I want to add just a little bit of context. So if we go back to the article here, um, so the logistics management research over uh, or surveyed over 100 industry stakeholders across supply chain, all different sectors, right? 45% expect a more active peak season than last year. 35% expect it to be about the same, and 20% say it'll be less active. But Greg... And, and by the way, Greg, I tried to capture a, uh, the tidal wave. It, to be accurate, it should be like tidal wave after tidal wave. But hey, it, it, there wasn't a good graphic handy. Your take <laughs> here on what Sebastian was sharing, Greg. I think what's important is who they <clears throat> who they interviewed, right? It, so it's freight, transportation, logistics, and supply chain stakeholders. So And the word that they used, more active, because I happen to believe that sales will be down significantly from from 2021 but that i don't think that matters when it comes to activity in terms of logistics because the ships they're still showing up i know mm. we haven't done the the global hilton head <laughs> freight <laughs> constriction yeah index, <laughs> index for a long long time but let me assure you that that number continues to grow and it's exactly what sebastian is talking about and We've been talking since it seems like April about getting goods here for peak, right? And then you know the, the article that I was just telling our listeners about from a week before last was about how exactly the other issue that Sebastian's talking about, which is retailers have so retailers in particular, but other shippers as well, have so misjudged demand that they're overstocked on, it seems like, everything that's not selling. I think I may have exposed that I'm taking advantage of that a little bit for patio furniture. Right. Um, Everybody's getting patio furniture for Christmas, it, right, Greg? They, they should, because by then it'll be 70% off. Um, um, and there will be still be plenty of it. Um, and home goods, right? Anything from a bookshelf to, you know, tchotchkes um, will be super cheap. So I think, yes, you should really think about those items. But the retailers have had those items since the beginning of the year, to Sebastian, your point, and they don't have the room for these other goods. So they're flooding the marketplace with promotion right now, which will take up the dwindling budget of people in an inflationary time and will have an impact on their ability to buy Christmas presents. In fact, some consumers are buying Christmas presents now, knowing that the price will be 11 to 20% higher by the time Christmas season comes around. But none of that matters when we're talking mm. about freight because the freight still has to go somewhere or even sit somewhere. And believe it or not, sitting freight is still activity. So it will be an incredibly active from a physical logistics time from now on, shifting inventories from warehouses to stores or stores to consumers or around warehouses are finding a place to put them or simply paying to have them sit in yards or on ships or wherever they, you know, wherever they may be being held. So, um, 
you know, regardless of what sales look like, it's going to be a uh, crazy. That's all I can think of. It's going to be a crazy peak season for freight logistics. I agree with you, Greg and Sebastian. Hey, Sebastian, I'm going to give you the final word in just a second. I want to go back to uh, what T-squared shared. Thank you, T-squared. He's given me the definition of juxtaposition, proximity for contrasting and or comparing. Now Thank we you, have to look friend. at proximity, Scott. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them coming, um, Tyrone. Oh, what, yeah, that's right. Uh, one other thought. Uh, certainly, one thing that is certain out there is the amount of uncertainty that's in the market, right? We all we've talked about it plenty of times, right? Economic conditions, inflation. Um, you know, what, what's that? Gonna, what impact will that have on this post-pandemic um, uh, environment we're in, where, where the shopping behaviors are going to be different uh, in many cases in the last couple of years? So, goodness gracious! But Sebastian, your your thought on, especially on Greg's point there, that um, it, it depends on what you deem as active, right? Activity still has to take place, right? Yeah, and that's that's uh, probably one of the biggest things because everything that's in transit anywhere will jam the system even further. We've only been talking about congestions on the on the ocean highways. We haven't talked about congestions on the actual highways. So you look at your train stations, look at any intermodal hub you're having. We're jamming up all across the system, and unless we we find the magic key to solve that riddle, uh, it's going to be even more tricky once we move into Christmas season. Yeah. Maybe it's packaged in one of those Willy Wonka chocolate bars. Maybe that's where the magic key might be. We'll see. Um, all right. So Sebastian and Craig, I got to keep going. I saw that movie other weekend. Uh, all you right. Did. So let's t- Yeah, I did. I the sure original did. Uh, or the, the Johnny Depp version? The ori- is there, There's only one. I agree. Uh, in my book, at least. The original is certainly a classic. Um, okay. I want to share this Forbes article, uh, Sebastian and Greg. Now, this is a really interesting article uh, that that touched on some of the biggest mistakes retailers can make, uh, especially when it comes to peak prep. Don't try to say that too fast. Uh, and it really centered on uh, a uh, interview with Mark Gorlin, you know, who, who founded and serves as CEO of Rody, um, who interviewed with the author. So, Sebastian, give us you know give us the gist of this this uh, article and interview here, and, and your take on it. Yeah, um, well, it's a super interesting one and very much contrast to the logistics management piece. They've been looking into consumer behavior and their expectations, so to speak. And what we're seeing is that um, despite the current recession and everything we're seeing in the news, only some 20% of consumers are actually planning to um, cut their expenses for Christmas, while another 12% even want to spend more money than they did in previous year. Um, but Across all of them, more than 50% of the consumers believe that there will be shortages of supply across various goods for at least the next 6 to 12 months. And that will have a significant impact on um, consumer behavior and also how we are supposed to be delivering peak. Um, Additionally, they identified a couple of um, elements that will impact consumer behavior. If you look at the ever-increasing gas prices, chances of someone driving around a couple of brick-and-mortar stores trying to find that very item they are looking for are somewhat small. Um, additionally, all of these small uh, stores are super congested with a ton of items, while there's hardly anyone walking around trying to sell you the item you're looking for. So um, that's not the most attractive offer you can make to a consumer. Uh, So what's gonna happen? Uh, They'll move into the e-commerce world again. That's gonna again bring an uplift to all of these um, pure e-commerce players and also anyone who's doing a good job when it comes to omni-channel. 
Um, but now taking a look at uh, how these people uh, should solve uh, the challenges of peak, and that's where Mark Allen gave some pretty interesting insights. It's basically trying to identify scenarios um, that you can use for building your your strategy for overcoming all of the problems you'll be facing. Mm. And what he's stating is that while 2020 has been um, the biggest failure of last mile because no one was expecting the volume and people have been ramping up the last mile heavily, then the year after we've seen the first mile fall apart. In the end, again, you were unable to connect all the loose ends and parcels didn't get where where they belong to. So his advice is, and I definitely agree with that, build your scenario for ensuring that you're able to nail your plan. Um, define your strategy on how to get USKUs out to the customer. And that requires a diverse set um, of last mile partners, as it does for any first mile partner. And he's advising you to look for a diversified portfolio of service providers, whether it's last mile or whether it's about your inbound supply chain. You need to ensure that you're able to inbound the goods that you want to have, build your strategy for um, taking them into your stock, uh, ensuring you're able to process them on time. Remember, we're still lacking uh, blue colors for that. Mm -hmm. And have a plan ready for delivering um, on the last mile. Ultimately, and I agree with the second piece of advice he's giving, it's about um, having your operations or supply chain team partner with sales. Because it's, if you uh, manage to pull peak early, if you start selling weeks ahead of Black Friday, you'll be able, you'll be able to um, even out the demand. You'll flatten the curve. You will not need to onboard as many associates. You will not need to have that much transportation capacity for a single week of the year chances of securing that capacity, at least over here in Europe, are kind of small if you don't start planning on time. And I could not agree more with the points he's doing here. Um, it's a pretty grim market situation, whether you look into transportation capacity or labor. And if you fail in delivering a plan that helps you to pull demand early and are able to um, so, uh, send out these goods to your customers, you're pretty much lost. Mm. Um, those last minute sales will not work the way they did last year. Plus, there is an increased chance of um, that demand not materializing and you again ending up with all of your money tied up somewhere in your warehouse and you'd rather have it on your bank account. <laughs> Sebastian, wait, there is good news. And Greg, let me get your take. But there's good news. you got to find the right partners. I love what Mark Gorlin said. And Sebastian, you touched on two out of three here. 2020 was last mile. 2021 was first mile. But then he said, quote, for 2022, he said, uh, 22, 2022 is going to be its own special kind of weird. I, I like that phrase. <laughs> Greg, between Mark and Sebastian, we got it covered. It seems like we've got lots of uh, things we got to be doing. Your take, Greg. I couldn't help. Uh, I couldn't help Sebastian. As you were talking, thinking of the first lesson, the first poignant lesson I learned about supply chain very early in my career. And that is to be successful in supply chain, you have to assume that everyone will fail you. Mm. and provision for that eventuality. And I think essentially that's what Mark and Sebastian are saying is, is that you, we're going to see a lot more of the unexpected. We have to provision for the unexpected. We've seen this before. I mean, um, look, Amazon is in the parcel game because the three biggest players in the United States, FedEx, UPS, and USPS, all failed them multiple years in peak season. And so they felt the need to take 
um, matters into their own hands. That's not practical for every company out there, but diversifying your first mile and last mile, hell, middle mile, the whole thing. It, I mean, you should have a provision for all of those things because some carriers will be stronger regionally. Some carriers will be stronger for particular types of products. I can tell you that UPS has delivered the patio furniture that I've received in a U-Haul truck. Really? In guys not wearing brown shorts. So, um, I mean, everyone is struggling right now. And I, th I think even the largest, arguably largest, um, logistics company in the world, DHL. I know that because of there's so much disruption in Europe and so much change in Europe, that's got to be a struggle. You have to count on some of these smaller carriers and 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 some of the regional carriers and some of the specialty carriers, especially for delivery. That seems to be, as a consumer, just an observer as a consumer. Not a, you can, I have to take off my supply chain expertise hat when I become a consumer because all I want is my stuff right now, right? <laughs> just like everybody else. I don't want to solve problems. And just I don't care stuff. why it right. isn't here, right? And and you have to consider the fact that you can make as many explanations, excuses, whatever you want to call them as you want. Your consumers don't care and it will still mm -hmm. reflect on your brand. So these provisions that Sebastian has talked about, that Mark has talked about, I think they're exceptionally poignant this year. Mm. All right, man, goodness gracious. Uh, both of you are on fire today. I love it. And folks in the club seats, check this out. So Jonathan says, excellent points in regard to scenario planning, refine the market plan and continually update market analysis to meet proper demand consensus, align strategy with voice of the customer. Mm. I love that. T squared says, Greg nailed it. Everyone will fail you at least thrice, <laughs> at least thrice. Uh, let's see. Catherine, Catherine also says they've had U-Haul deliveries there as well. Um, I want to share. So, folks, we're talking about this article here. I'm going to pop it back up there. The big mistakes retailers make in preparing for holiday peak season. You can check that out via Forbes. I think we dropped the link as well. And as uh, Sebastian, Greg, and I have been talking, it really features a conversation with Mark Gorlin, uh, who founded Rody. Here's an interesting thing, though. I love, Sebastian, what you said about <clears throat> partnering with, with sales teams, right? Uh, because both of these articles we've talked about, logistics management and Forbes, they both talk about you know pulling uh, that customer demand forward, right? And if you work with the sales team, that to not wait till uh, here in the states at least Black Friday, right, the day after Thanksgiving, don't wait till then. Do it now. Get those promotions out now. And it, in my mind, Greg and Sebastian, it kind of um, the notion of load balancing in manufacturing, right? Kind of balancing the customer demand. I think there's there's some some kindred spirits there. Um, all right, so where I want to go next, uh, as we're coming down the home stretch with Sebastian from Seven Senders, uh, Sebastian, uh, you're offering up quite some, uh, especially for dinner time, your time after probably a long Monday, Greg. I think Sebastian is bringing it here today, isn't he, Greg? Well, he was asking because, you know, we are the way we are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He was asking if we were always like this on Monday. I mean, he, he's got to be starving <laughs> to death, and he is. Right on it. So yeah, definitely. He I, is. I, um, yeah. I, I guess see, I'm, I'm not no passionate. I'm just hungry. <laughs> well, so, we called hangry here. Uh, hey, yeah. we told <laughs> we told y'all about Sebastian's sneaky sense of humor. Let's uh, let's do this. I want to make sure for all maybe three people out there that aren't familiar with Seven Senders, let's make sure we we drill in on what they do. So Sebastian, in a nutshell, tell us about Seven Senders. 
we pretty much solve all the problems we just discussed. Uh, we had, <laughs> we claim for ourselves to be the first choice on the last mile, and basically we um, act as a one-stop shop for anyone that is looking for cross-border fulfillment services. Uh, we select the right service provider for you based on your customer's profile, SKUs, you name it. Um, depending on the market, uh, the demand might be largely different. Uh, we collect from your warehouse. So basically consolidating first mile volumes, we integrate into your tech systems. You don't need to worry about integrating with a ton of different carriers and then shifting volumes between them. We can handle all of that for you. Um, we ensure it gets there on time. And in case there is any imbalance because you did not do your due diligence when it comes to forecasting, we'll ensure that we utilize our network um, for evening out the demand ultimately ensuring um, we get all the parcels to where they belong to. The huge benefit of that, in contrast to building your very own logistical network, we we are a vital part of many of these, and um, we are able to work with our partners to ensure that we actually inject your volumes. Imagine you being one of the service providers and a ton of companies collecting from your front door. That's not convenient. Your yard is small. Your warehouse is limited in capacity. Imagine you are one of the last mile service providers. Would you rather have like a ton of vans delivering a small quantity of parcels or rather have a single partner delivering a, an FTL right at your front door? Mm, mm. Um, and to put some cream on top of it, um, we're basically ensuring that we have like a full transparency cockpit for you so that you stay on top of your, your processes throughout the day, throughout the peak season. Night, Sebastian. I like you finished there with some cream on top, it, it, maybe even a little cherry. Uh, Greg, <laughs> as as Sebastian rolled out some of the things they do, some of the problems they solve, some of the ways they partner with groups, what came to your mind there, Greg? One throat to choke. That's what that's what <laughs> came to my mind. I mean, right? Instead of assuming, uh, instead of having this vast array of carriers, um, they coordinate and consolidate all of that for you. You can. I, I see it being more of an extension of of your company because of that, because they can decide all those things that I was talking about, what region, what specialty, right? What speed, all of those various aspects that otherwise you have to focus on. And I think this is frankly a new uh, era for supply chain where more companies will start to rely on companies like this as retailers. Let's just focus just on retailers who are largely who distributes to consumers. What are we really good at? designing, building, marketing, and selling products, right? As traditionally not great at logistics and the logistics are the most complex part of the business. It doesn't matter how we designed it, what we build it, what color we made it, or how well we marketed it and sold it if we can't get it to people. So mm. this is a critical part of it. And I think more and more retailers, except for the really, really large ones, are starting to see that you can consolidate with services like this that cover every aspect of that you have. This is what we say in the US, you know, we're maybe a little bit aggressive, Sebastian, one throat to <laughs> choke, you have one, one group who is accountable for that. And they are experts in that thing. And I think hmm. more retailers are already but still should look for services like this to, you know, to let the pros do what they do best. Yes. And you know, worry about who's going to fail. <laughs> right. Well, and when that throat is choked, you got Sebastian there, who's a certified part paramedic that can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that can take care of folks. 
Yeah. But hey, Genius. kidding aside, you know what? One of my favorite things, uh, Sebastian, and it's evident. It was evident um, a couple times now, a couple different conversations. You said you're 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 hungry, not passion. Man, you bring a ton of passion uh, to the table. Clearly, you love solving these some of these challenges we touched on here today, and that's the kind of partner. Uh, I don't know about y'all. That's the kind of partner I've sought out in in my career. Um, so love that. And we got some easy ways for folks to connect with Sebastian. Don't let don't let him. If y'all do connect with Sebastian, don't let him hide that sense of humor. Right, call him out. You never know when it's gonna 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 pop you. Uh, but we've got uh, you can, y'all can venture over to the website, right, Sebastian? We're gonna drop a link in the chat so folks can. Uh, we'll make it really helpful. One click away, right? Those are the kind of problems we like solving. One click away, Sebastian. You are active, I believe, on LinkedIn, and the and uh, the company's active on LinkedIn. Is that right? That is true. Yeah, and we're glad to connect and address all of the the issues you might be facing, and I'm pretty sure we have the right solution for you to solve those. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so the website we're dropping in the comments, uh, LinkedIn company page, so y'all can check out that. We're going to be dropping that link there. Uh, seven senders on um, uh, on LinkedIn, and of course Sebastian on LinkedIn as well. Sebastian Bleaser. Um, all right. So before we let Sebastian go, Greg. Uh, really have enjoyed uh, the chat here today. Really have enjoyed what he's brought to the table. Uh, you know, kind of using these reads as as vehicles to really, I mean, heck, he's he's really shown uh, that Monday ain't nothing but a thing over there for Sebastian Blizzer. <laughs> your your favorite thing that Sebastian shared with us here today, Greg? I think it's. Uh, I mean, aside from all of the brilliance that you've shared, Sebastian, I think what you're doing to enable kind of. I don't know, the average or every man kind of retailer or or e-commerce retailer. Look, I just dump them all in one bucket. You can call it m-commerce, e-commerce, global commerce or bricks and mortar. It's just commerce is the way I see it these days. And I think it's great that, that there's an enablement for the smaller entities that can't build their own logistics teams. I think that message is really critical. And I have to tell you, I'm really tough on sales pitches, but I, I looked at your site and I get it. I get what you do. You allow someone to go, I want to do business in Germany, Netherlands, right? France, Austria, whatever. And, and you're there and all they've got to do is say they want it and it happens. And I think there are more and more types of providers that enable, um, companies to get global or to expand their reach. Um, and I think it's an incredible service because we need small businesses to succeed. Otherwise mm. it will be all Walmart, right? All, all, all Amazon, all uh, Alibaba, you know, all, uh, you know, those kind of things. And I, I know you have a really big marketplace there too. I can not remember the name, but same kind of situation. They need competition and, mm. and small business to be able to compete needs this kind of assistance. Well said, Greg. Okay, Sebastian Bleaser, really enjoyed your um, your point of view here today and your expertise you've shared. Uh, what's for dinner? Um, if I would go for the stereotype game, I'd say it's a schnitzel. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, I haven't made my pl- uh, mind up yet. I'll, I'll find something. Well, hey, kidding aside, really have enjoyed our chats. Thank you for being being here today and sharing some of what you're seeing. Uh, and folks, uh, check out and connect with Sebastian and Seven Senders. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. So uh, having a few connection issues, that happens from time to time. Uh, live programming is always fun. 
folks, uh, check out uh, the resources we dropped there between uh, Seven Senders website, which you can find a link in the comments. Uh, you're going to want to check out Seven Senders on LinkedIn as well and uh, connect with Sebastian Bleaser uh, via LinkedIn. I bet uh, if he's anything like his in-person conversation, certainly someone to follow. One last thing before we sign off here today, Supply Chain Buzz for Monday, September 12th, 2022. I want to make sure you all know about our new, maybe we stop dropping, uh, stop saying the word new, uh, four or five weeks in. Our LinkedIn newsletter called With That Said, right? With That Said. So it's a right now it's a Saturday morning publication. It's uh, a smattering. Some things we're doing here, some things that are, that are really important out across the global marketplace, global industry. But you name it, we're approaching 15,000 subscribers just, uh, what, four weeks in. So if we could, Amanda, Catherine, Chantel, we drop that link for the latest With That Said newsletter in the comments. Uh, we're uh, gathered a lot of perspective around Thoughts on you know, the passing uh, in the morning of uh, for Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and then we also talk about, of course, National Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Uh, lots of things that you're going to want to see and check out and comment on yourself. So check out that link. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our LinkedIn newsletter. Folks, I wish every Monday started almost like this. Uh, love what Sebastian and Seven Senders are doing out there. Really appreciated Greg's take. Thanks for all the great comments. And by the way, Glormar, thank you very much. I really appreciate that feedback. And uh, hey, feedback is certainly a blessing. So y'all keep it coming. But whatever you do, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain House, Scott Luton signing off to, for now. Connect with Sebastian. Connect with Greg. Don't miss his Supply Chain commentary every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, you got to uh, connect with him or follow him on LinkedIn to be a part of that. But whatever you do, it's all about deeds, not words, right? Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward and to be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.